welcome to another spooky October episode of Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I am here with Kristen Lepianca only this week. Hello. We are going to talk about witches without Wendy, um, <laughs> and we will not put a hex on her for not being here. She was busy tonight. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. No hard feelings. <laughs> Um, so what have you been up to since last we spoke? Well, um, one thing that I've been really excited about lately is because this is October and all things scary and ghosty. Um, I have an essay in an anthology that's coming out next year. Uh, it's called Private Investigations, Mystery Writers on the Mysteries of Life. And my story is a true ghost story. I cannot wait to read that. It's very exciting to me that my ghost story will finally be told. It is 100% true. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been uh, thinking about. So what about you? Um, well, I went to a really amazing book event a few nights ago um, for the the novel The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. Have you heard of this book? Yes, I have. I haven't read it, though. It's incredible. I, re- I read an arc and then like promptly mailed it off to a friend of mine who loved it like even more than I did. And I loved it a lot. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so she is on tour and she did a stop at Women and Children First in Chicago, which is my favorite bookstore where I did my launch. Um, and she had a panel with a number of other YA authors. So it was Samira Ahmed, uh, Jasmine Warga and Libba Bray, who are all friends oh, of wow. hers. Yeah. And it was just a really incredible conversation. Um, they talked a lot about rage and feminism, like all our favorite, <laughs> all favorite <laughs> things. Like for me, the quote of the night was Samira was talking about um, like the, you know, anger in, in her book and uh, in internment and just in her work in general. And she was just like, I like my rage. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. But honestly, the greatest thing about that event was just watching all these women like hype each other up and support each other, um, which is really like the grace year is kind of about young women learning to work together instead of competing. Um, <laughs> nice. By the rules of the patriarchy. So, yeah, it's a really great book. And I think by the time this episode airs, it'll probably be a New York Times bestseller. I'm just going to call that right now. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first, people. <laughs> well, not here first. I like it's so good, and it's already being made into a movie by Elizabeth oh, Banks, and wow. yeah, it's gonna be wow. it's gonna be huge. But that event was just like incredible and inspiring, and so glad I I went. Awesome. So yes, today's topic is witches, which uh, like we have so many thoughts on witches. Like I don't even know where to fucking start. <laughs> so many thoughts. Like my desk is literally overflowing with books and zines and all kinds of shit that I want to talk about. Basically, I wish that having a podcast was just like shoving books at people. Like I, I wish there was <laughs> a way. Kind of what we do around here. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish there was a way that we could like physically thrust the books through the podcast at a person. <laughs> I don't think that's possible yet. Not yet. Um, Not yet. But maybe someday. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what is your kind of personal relationship to witches and witchcraft? Because I feel like as, you know, grown up goths, we all are on this podcast. <laughs> like we all have some sort of connection to witchcraft, however tenuous. So like, what has that been for you? So uh, one thing I would say is the idea of like the witch as sort of the outsider and the other is something Mm -hmm. that I have always very much identified with. Like there are so many movies where like, I mean, just for example, the wizard of Oz, yes, it's a wonderful movie, but like the wicked witch of the West is the best character 
of course. course. You know, she's amazing. And it's just like that that energy that I don't give a fuck. I'm mm-hmm. going to do what I want. It's like that's something that I have always wanted to channel as much as possible because like I feel like as women we are supposed to give a fuck as much as possible. Like we're supposed to uh, care too much and like when you see a woman behaving in an unruly way not giving a fuck doing whatever she wants it's like wow I didn't know you could do that so I feel like witches are kind of um like way before I knew what feminism was like you can identify these types of characters in you know books and movies where it's like that energy is like mm-hmm. the first little bit of feminism that you get when you're like a kid watching a Disney movie you know you're watching Little Mermaid and you're like Ursula whoa <laughs> Ursula's the fucking best. Oh my god, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think like we there are those of us who grew up like rooting for the evil women, and yeah. <laughs> that's how we turned out like this, right? Just exactly, for the evil women in Disney movies. Yes. Um, so yeah, I would say that like you know, witches were kind of like the first bite-sized bit of feminism that I ever like got and understood. Um, but on a more like current level, now that I am well-versed in all manners of feminism and whatnot, um, I really think that there is something empowering in the idea of like knowing your own power and being able to sort of draw that in whether or not you are, I mean, no one, I'm not like shooting spells out of my eyeballs or anything, but being able to use my own power to sort of make myself feel calmer or more centered is mm-hmm. uh, very valuable, I think. Yeah. So for me, when I was growing up, I mean, first of all, I've mentioned before, I was raised in an extremely conservative Christian household where like I wasn't allowed to watch Sleeping Beauty because she called on the powers of hell. Like <laughs> this is the situation. Okay, got it. Um, so of course I grew up to be a teenage goth. Of course you did. <laughs> Which um, in my small town, because everyone was so boring, um, like really I wore black lipstick one time and everyone was like, oh my God, you're a goth. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like this is not a huge commitment. That's, that's what um, happens in Ohio. Like. You it own is, black yeah. lipstick and you're labeled a goth forever, I guess. Forever. Um, so it was more of an aesthetic thing and like a rebellious thing for me, like mm-hmm. wearing all black and like combat boots and weird jewelry and black lipstick and dyeing my hair weird colors and all that stuff. Um, it was definitely more aesthetic, like I wasn't doing any actual spells or anything. Because um, even though by the time I was in high school, I was totally an atheist. I like, <laughs> still probably feared the devil a little bit because right. you know, when you're raised that way, <laughs> oh yeah, it never, never goes away. Um, so like one of the formative experiences for me um, in my fascination with witches was watching the movie The Craft at a slumber party at a friend's house because mm-hmm. like I was not allowed to watch that at my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when was the last time you saw this movie? I'm pretty sure that it was like two or three years ago I caught it on television and I was just like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because I, I think women around our age who are like current or former goths uh are very into this movie and have kind of claimed it as this like feminist movie and i just watched it the other night and it is not fucking feminist at all (laughs) it's actually really bad and i was (laughs) so you know i had to i had to like 
come to terms with that a little bit as I was rewatching it. I was like, I'm going to watch The Craft and take notes for the podcast. And then I was just like getting more and more angry while I was watching oh, it. Oh, no. Tell me about your notes. Um, so, well, first of all, like the, the style is still amazing. Feruza Balk, still like a major crush of mine, like definitely <laughs> part of my bisexual awakening. Right, for sure. right. For sure. For sure. Um, but this movie, it's about four young girls, like teenagers, who discover that they have magical powers um, and then like use them <laughs> in various ways. Uh, but it's written and directed by men. And like, oh, God, you can tell. <laughs> Basically, these girls get power and they use it to like change their hair color and make boys like them. Yes. And then they start like fighting amongst themselves and it turns into this giant like, this is like black giant magic cat, cat fight. fight. Yeah, exactly. But what really struck me this time around was the fact that the deity that they're calling on is like coded as male and the way that they talk about the male deity is very like like disturbingly sexual. Oh. <laughs> they're like they're like, fill me up. Oh yes. Oh. You know? <laughs> no. And I was just like so it's like they're getting their power from this male deity and then using it in ways that like the middle-aged white men i presume who wrote and directed this movie like what they imagine teenage girls would do with this kind of power like it's so inauthentic it's so it's like offensive honestly and yeah uh, the uh the idea of like gaining this power and using it to like make boys fall in love with you is it's just it's very like I don't know, I mean, like the movie. Shitty boys. Yeah. <laughs> like imagine having magical powers and wasting them on Skeet Ulrich. Like, right. Imagine. Who would do that? I don't know. Who would it's do that so on like the, the the resident like sleazy dude of 90s movies? Like Ugh. why? Just why? Um, so disappointing. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I still like really dig the, the aesthetic of that movie. But yeah, it is. It, it made me think a lot about the things that I claimed as empowering because like there was nothing better available. <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. Because there really wasn't. Like there is something there's something groundbreaking, I I guess, about the idea of like, here's this dark movie about mm-hmm. girls becoming powerful and harnessing their power, but like that seemed new and fresh and cool. But it's yeah. actually just like a guy's version of what girls would like to buy a ticket for i guess yeah yeah the male gaze is all over it and it's just so reductive um but it seemed at the time you know when i was watching this when i was a teenager it was so like subversive and they were all dark and powerful and unruly and all that stuff that that we love but yeah now i can look at it as an adult and see how like what a shallow representation of power it was yes um, yeah. but they are remaking it um oh, with i didn't a know that female writer director so really yes um i zoe lister jones i think her name is and the production company is uh blumhouse jordan peele's production oh company. interesting yeah so i'm really excited to see what they do with it because like as i was watching it i was thinking this is such a cool setup for a story but i want to see like a woman's take on this right oh my gosh i'm so excited when is that going to be real i don't know i think maybe next year um pretty oh. soon it's like in kind of pre-production i think nice. like they've announced some casting and um so hopefully that'll be 
good or even if it's not good hopefully it'll at least be like actually feminist right (laughs) bullshit male gaze feminism right right it's so interesting though that like sort of both of us talked about the empowering quality of of witches like they are very much themselves they own Mm -hmm. themselves like it's like that sort of self-possession that's very appealing especially when you're like sort of a teen girl who feels lost in the world like you're like I want to own my power like that mm-hmm. um so yeah and now my relationship to witchcraft is still like the aesthetic fascination and I do um I call it like minor witchcraft or lazy witchcraft <laughs> where uh I'll like you know light candles for the full moon and burn palo santo and have like crystals mm-hmm. around my office but I don't really do like actual spells or anything but it's definitely something I'm fascinated with and that um like what you were saying about using it to kind of calm yourself and center yourself like I mm-hmm. find it very grounding even if there's not like, actual magic behind it yeah I would agree with that um and I would also like to add that sort of last year um a very very bad thing happened to me that that we do not talk about it is just mm-hmm. known as the bad thing Um, It was a bad thing related to court. And at that time when I was sort of feeling like there is absolutely nothing I can do about the situation, um, I got kind of got through it by doing tons of research into like the different correspondences of various herbs and colors as related to justice and truth. Mm. Um, There's sort of a whole area of metaphysical belief about justice and court and honesty uh, it's really really interesting and uh like you said like i don't know that there's any magic behind it but if you know if chamomile is an herb that is meant to promote justice then sure i'm gonna drink a cup of chamomile tea before court you know yeah so that kind of thing you put a spell on anyone who might have deserved it who will remain nameless no no comment (laughs) (laughs) okay We'll just say I support you. We'll just say that everything turned out fine. Yes. So. (laughs) So whatever you did worked. Yes, exactly. Uh, Justice was served. But one thing that I found to be really interesting, um, there's the idea of a honey jar. Have you heard about this? Mm -mm. So um, the idea of a honey jar is basically like to draw um, sweetness towards you. Okay. And in the world of you know this metaphysical sort of correspondences there's this idea of like fill a jar with honey write a person's name on a piece of paper put it in the honey and there's some other things that you might sprinkle in there and it's just like sort of this idea of like I'm putting it out there in the universe that I want this person to only have good thoughts about me nothing bad um Hmm. and there's just something really calming about the act of doing that because like obviously uh you can't expect that a jar of honey is going to like magically change someone's mind but like it can change your own perception of the experience and it's very like empowering in the sense of like I can't do anything about the situation but I can do something about how I feel right now yeah I think it's it to me it's almost like meditation yeah it's just like a, an object to focus on as part of your meditation because exactly. I'm real bad at like normal meditating where I'm just supposed to clear my mind but if I can sit and look at a candle or a crystal or something that helps me focus yeah exactly I can't I can't just like sit and have no thoughts I have to I have to have some kind of thoughts my goodness <laughs> 
That's why we became writers. We have too many thoughts. Way too many. So one of my other favorite uh, books about witchcraft that I read recently is Waking the Witch by Pamela Grossman. I know you've read that as well. So good. I have to shout out, um, it was edited by my editor, Kate Dresser. So shout oh, out to nice. Kate. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And I was in her office in New York uh, like the week before this book came out and I saw like a finished copy and I was just like, can I have that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I like I like fangirled out really hard and then I was reading it on the like New Jersey transit train back to the New York airport. <laughs> That's amazing. amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's such a good book. I, I especially I love like the tagline reflections on women, magic and power. Just mm-hmm. all of the, what we were just talking about. Um, and it's just this really beautiful collection of essays about those things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, she kind of goes through like, history and popular culture and all these different depictions of witches and witchcraft and how they uh, reveal the anxieties of the times, essentially. Um, and what I love, she says... The witch is the ultimate feminist icon because she is a fully rounded symbol of female oppression and liberation. Mm, Yes. She talks about the difference between like calling yourself a witch and having someone call you a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Very different things. Very different Um, things. But yeah, I think that's so interesting because it is like we obviously have claimed it, reclaimed it, whatever, as this positive, empowering thing. But it's also been used throughout history. I mean, women have been executed over this, obviously. Yes. Persecuted and all that. And um, But now, and, I, you know, still in parts of the world, that happens. Yeah, the, like, the history is incredibly interesting. I feel like I could read about, um, like, sort of the historical implications of witch hunting or the burning times or whatever you'd like to call it um i have this really interesting zine here in front of me from um jessica caponegro and snake hair press it's called witches in print how the patriarchy weaponized the printing press to silence independent women and it's really really interesting because um so like all throughout the the history of the world there have been like people who believed in magic or people who believed in whatever religion to some extent is magic as well um but Mm -hmm. things kind of went a little crazy in like the 1400s which interestingly coincided with the invention of the printing press um and there is this book called hammer of witches which is basically like a guide for people to find and kill witches and this book was um like only second in popularity to the bible for multiple centuries like this was a book that sat on judges you know benches like this was like a a document that people used as like evidence of something and it was all nonsense it was all complete Mm -hmm. nonsense um just like the bible anyway (laughs) (laughs) yes but you know it's estimated like the estimates are all over the place but like historians generally say like 40 to 60,000 people were executed for witchcraft and most of them were women not all but most um most were single women or widows or women who are just on the fringes of society in some way like a a a folk healer or um a a brew a brewster an alewife the whole beer brewing thing have you heard about how sort of there's like this school of thought that like 
women in the middle ages who brewed beer which like everyone had to brew beer because you couldn't drink the water you'd die so you had to have it be beer um there's a lot of like anecdotal evidence that these women who were brewsters um were sort of like the stereotypical witch with the pointy black hat and the black cat like these this this symbolism sort of is attached Mm. also to the women who would brew beer which is really interesting and everything exactly and like the pointy black hat was so that like you could see like you could so you could spot someone at a market to go find them to buy beer from like it's one of those things where there's not like it's not in your history books kids but like there's a lot of anecdotal evidence about it which is really interesting that like midwives and folk healers and women who sort of existed outside of the regular construct of patriarchy in you know the family structure belonging to a husband staying at home being illiterate all of that like these were sorts of women who found themselves being accused of witchcraft and to be accused of witchcraft you didn't have to do anything you could have just made someone mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was a lot going on at this time i mean the plague was happening there were wars out the wazoo everybody wanted someone to blame and why not blame it on these random women and Mm -hmm. it just kind of like that hasn't changed (laughs) no it really hasn't um so i think that's just really kind of interesting how obviously these types of women have always existed but then all of a sudden with the ability to mass produce books everything Mm. changed because you can really cover a lot of ground with a book rather than just like you know going about your business trying to kill witches like now here's this book it was put together by some monks like (laughs) it's all like there's there's some theories about um let me find find it in my notes um most witch hunts took place where central religious authority had broken down in border areas where catholics Mm. and protestants were fighting um like oh, in, so they need like someone else to point the finger at that's yes, really interesting because in countries like spain italy and russia where a strong unified church existed there weren't very many witch trials which is very interesting hmm. <laughs> so we all know that like the catholic church of of that time was shady as hell <laughs> so also has not changed <laughs> no that is very <laughs> so true many things stay in the same throughout history it's kind of depressing it is extremely depressing um and there's a pamphlet from the 70s witches midwives and nurses a history of women healers by barbara ehrenreich and deirdre english and a lot of this has sort of been disproven in the 46 years since this came out but um one very interesting point that it makes which is definitely true um is that the medieval catholic church like it kind of elevated sexism to a principle because this hammer of witches book it contained lines like when a woman thinks alone she thinks evil you know it like literally said things like that's that's true (laughs) that is true okay fine it's true (laughs) (laughs) but like people at that time would yeah like internalize that in such a terrifying way um and so like, just think about, like, you know, some random Germanic town in the 1500s and, like, 
poor people, whole regular peasants cannot afford medical care. So they can probably afford to go to like the crazy lady on the edge of town who can fix up your oozing sore with something from her cabinet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of became part of this problem because that was the only medical care for peasants. Women were not able to get a college education to become an actual doctor. Um, So it just kind of escalated, you know, part of this hammer of witches says if a woman dares to cure without having studied, she is a witch and she must die. But she, (laughs) so that's all of them. (laughs) That's all of them. And she couldn't study because she's not allowed to go to college. Mm -hmm. But if she didn't treat people, they would die too. Like the whole thing is just fucked. Um, The patriarchy just has so many tricks. So many tricks. It's just, (sighs) it's crazy. Um, And I also think, I know it's, it's such a problem. Um, It's just so interesting that like folk healing um, is like the basis for a lot of actual modern medicine. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. nonsense. It was real. It was science. (laughs) But people died because they did it because it was bad. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, even now there's a lot of not, you know, people being killed over it, but like disdain for alternative methods of of healing. And it's considered kind of like feminine and silly and not legitimate. Um, But as someone who has chronic pain, I've found a lot of the more alternative modalities to be much more effective for me than Western medicine. Like it just just depends what the problem is. That is fascinating. Yeah, and, like, obviously modern medicine has its place, of course, but, like, it's so silly to act like nothing from this sort of folk tradition is real because, of course, it is. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, just look in your medicine cabinet. Aspirin is salicylic acid, which you can find in tree bark. Like, doctors didn't make that up. Folk healers did. Like, Mm -hmm. somebody figured that out, and they did empirical studies long before – there was such a thing as a medical degree. Um, Mm. But a lot of those people wound up being killed because they were witches. (sighs) It's fucked up. So fucked up. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Pam Grossman's book is um, show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. (laughs) That is so true. It is so true. It is right on. Mm -hmm. But now the term witch hunt is mostly used by pathetic old white men who think they're being persecuted when they're just finally maybe experiencing consequences for all the bullshit that they do. Right. Just going to say that. Yeah, it's it is it is disconcerting to see that bandied about now. Um, yeah. And something that I read today, I don't even remember what it was. I was like I was gorging myself on all of these marvelous witchy books that I have on my desk right now. <laughs> um, but I read a quote that was something like equality always seems like oppression to the people who have had the upper hand yeah i've seen like different versions of that and it's like the problem with everything like that is absolutely it yeah it truly is um yes uh i would like to mention a a few other marvelous nonfiction titles that i wish i could thrust through the speakers to our listeners um I have an essay collection here called Becoming Dangerous, Witchy Femmes, Queer Conjurers, and Magical Rebels. And 
it's just a lot of interesting um, personal essays about the way people interpret witchcraft, especially through like a social justice lens. I think that like the last few years for women have been, you know, among the rockier of our lifetimes, right? Like Mm -hmm. with everything going on. So I think through the idea of like, what can, what can you do in your community? What can you do in your own headspace even? Um, So this is really just an exploration of personal power. Um, And there's a line that's in the introduction that I absolutely love. It says the difference between a witch and the layperson is that a witch already knows they are powerful. The layperson oh. may only suspect. Oh, it's that's so amazing. Good. I know. I got to read that book. I actually yeah. have it on my shelf with many other books that I still need to read, but it has such a cool cover too. It does. It's so good. It's got like this hand with stars, <clears throat> stars in it. It's, it's, a, it's lovely. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend this. It's got a lot of different voices in here. I really like the queer perspective because um, I think that especially when you're talking about like sort of old-fashioned witchcraft and this even is true of tarot to some extent like there's a lot of like traditional male and female imagery Mm -hmm. um there's just a lot of the way things are kind of presented uh so it's nice to have the queer perspective um I really like a piece in here by May Rude, who's a great trans writer for Autostraddle. Um, yeah, highly recommended. It's just a lovely collection. Um, and I have also have been raving and ra- raving about Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers by Sadie Doyle. And this book is like, it should be required reading for the month of October for our listeners it's just like everything that we have been saying in all of our episodes for this month is like this book is like a companion piece to it we talk about horror movies and why um young women like watching horror movies and like the answer is basically because like the world is fucking scary so it feels empowering to like be able to see the person who is evil (laughs) Mm -hmm. because in regular life you don't know who's evil um and i think that's so true but the book sort of ends with this lovely conclusion about the woman at the edge of the woods and it's sort of about how uh a witch the idea of a witch has always been someone who is outside of society um at the edges of things but that means she's free like she's at the edge of society and she's free of a lot of the expectations that are put on us. Uh, and I think that's so interesting. Um, I'm going to just read a bit here. This is the primal threat in our earliest stories. A woman who, woman who lives on the outskirts of civilization, rejected by her community. A woman who is old, ugly, asexual. A woman who is alternately too beautiful, too sexual, too self-possessed. A woman who knows things others don't know and can do things others can't do. Uh, which I just love. Oh, yeah, that's I got to read that too. I love we haven't really talked about the idea of the like the crone or the hag or, or anything like that it is, as it relates to which witches and witchcraft, because that's something that really appeals to me because, you know, as women, we're taught to fear getting older yes. and not being fuckable anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I find the idea of being like a powerful, crotchety old hag who like put spells on people to be extremely uh, enticing. Like, yes. Kind of 
I want that for for my future. I yes, don't know. while wearing like velveteen shawls and yes, know, many crystals and long beaded necklaces and all of that. Yes, like the older I get, the more shawls I buy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, like I'm starting to transition into this. There's like a, this life. a direct correlation between age and shawl ownership for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I especially like the kind where it like it looks like it's just a shawl but it actually has like very loose sleeves so that it actually stays on. Oh yeah, cuz that is the one problem with shawls. Yeah. You got to like clutch them to you, you while do. you're hexing people. Yes, it can it can be messy. But... I got an amazing one I'm going to bring to BoucherCon, so get Ooh, psyched. Ooh, I am excited. <laughs> it's reversible. <gasps> what? Yeah. Now that the is witchcraft. <laughs> totally totally yeah do you know the poem by margaret atwood half hanged mary no oh well okay i'm not gonna read the whole thing it's like it's too long but basically it is a poem that is about a real person um a woman named mary webster who was hanged for witchcraft in massachusetts in the late 1600s but despite hanging from a tree overnight she did not die um she lived and then went on to live for another 14 years what a badass i know she's like my hero (laughs) um it's so this poem is incredible i highly recommend it um and one of the the lines in the opening stanzas says i was hanged for living alone for having blue eyes and a sunburned skin tattered skirts few buttons a weedy farm in my own name and a surefire cure for warts. So this is like all of these things that I was just talking about, like mm-hmm. a woman who owned property or could heal people, very threatening. Um, so she was hanged for like nonsense reasons. And this poem is basically like her thoughts as she is hanging there. It's incredibly oh, wow. chilling. And towards the end, there's this line that like, it just gives me chills every time I read it. It says, before... I was not a witch, but now I am one. And I just think that's so real because it's like we like take what is done to us and sort of use it as fuel for what comes next, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just like, you know, I wasn't what you said I was, but like, fuck, now I am like yeah i've seen that line before on like tote bags and shit but i didn't know where it came from yeah i know i well i think we both share an obsession with witchcraft um Uh, oh she has she has a poster with that on it um that is probably at least one of the places that i thought i fucking love her yes if no one if people are not familiar with witchcraft this incredible uh designer she has all these like stickers and t-shirts and posters i mean they're just gorgeous i have one of her i think we both do her nasty woman yes. sticker on our laptops yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah she yeah I, i'm so obsessed with her work um she's from chicago so you know shout out yeah that's awesome everyone should go buy her prints um so speaking of chicago if you are in the chicagoland area i am going to be at the library in libertyville on october 21st with a, a, a discussion panel with a few other mystery writers, including Mary Kubica, which should be really fun. That will be at um, 7 p.m. on October 21st. It's a Monday. I did not know that. And where the fuck is Libertyville? <laughs> so, <laughs> Libertyville. Funny that you ask. 
Libertyville <laughs> is in Cook County, but it is oh. fucking far away. The library is called the Cook County Library. And so when I agreed to do this, well, not when I agreed, but when I was invited to do this event, I assumed that it was just like a suburb of Chicago. That is wrong. Yeah. It is like more than an hour to the north, but somehow <laughs> still in Cook County. It's very mysterious. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I actually wound up changing my travel plans and decided to just drive because it's would be so difficult to get myself from the airport to Libertyville. Like, it was just such a thing. I was like, I can't. I'm just going to drive. Yeah, whenever I go to Ohio to visit my mom, um, I am on the train in Chicago longer than I am on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just going, like, from a place in the, in Chicago to one of the airports. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It's totally crazy. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, so this is the second of our three Halloween episodes because we fucking love Halloween around here. We do. Um, and our final spooky episode will be in two weeks um, featuring the poet Amanda Lovelace. We had a great conversation with her. We actually already recorded that one, so I feel like I'm speaking from the future or something. <laughs> but it's a great conversation. She's an actual witch and talks about tarot and her poetry and all this incredible stuff. So keep an eye out for that. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.